Father, it would be amazing if our lives, the song of our lives could have some of the beauty that we just heard, some of the harmony that we just heard, some of the wholeness that we just heard. Father, a lot of times there's a lot of noise in my head and in my heart, and I think my friends are with me in that. I think that a lot of times we lose our way. A lot of times we lose sight of what harmony with you might look like, what harmony with the people around us might look, not look like. And sometimes all we can hear is the dissonance, the brain notes that are awful and out of place and out of sync. So God, I pray that in this time, as we open up your word, as we ask what it means for us to read these words that the fruit of the Spirit is peace, what it might mean for us to breathe and to have your Spirit, the Spirit of your Son, Jesus, at the center of our words and at the center of our thoughts and at the center of our feelings, at the center of our actions, that we might grow and bear fruit in the way that you talk to us about and in the way that we've been reflecting on this fruit of the Spirit. God, thank you. I pray for my friends and for myself that you'd open our hearts and our minds that we might approach that sense of harmony today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I think um, if you're a choir kid, the technical term for that is like dirty harmonies, like in a good way, like in a really, really good way. That I don't know if you, those of you who are music people, you could hear that. And maybe if you're not music people, I, I wonder if you might think back to the music that we just heard in, in the layers of it. That there were, it wasn't one note that was being sung. And it wasn't even, like it was like a hundred notes. And, and when it fills out, when a harmony fills out in that way, it's, I don't know about, it's magic. It's, there's something about it that's magic. Because there is a wholeness and a harmony that exists in music and in this world that must mean something. You know, it must be indicative of the beauty and the wonder that God created the world with. And so when we read in God's word, and this is our first text for today, that the fruit of the spirit is peace. We've been going through this. It's in Galatians 5 verse 22. And we've said that the fruit of the Spirit is love, and the fruit of the Spirit is joy, and now today the fruit of the Spirit is peace. We think of peace as something like tranquility or quietness, and those are elements of it. But in the imagination, in the imagination of the writers of the Scripture, however, peace is a loaded word and a loaded concept that's been built over thousands of years. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And it is so fundamental that in much of the world today, shalom, peace be with you, is a standard greeting and not hello. This concept of peace reaches back and back and back. This peace, this peace of God is something powerful. And if we even look at the word, the Hebrew word for peace, shalom, the root of the word means something like wholeness, something like harmony. Something like an audio version of, like a real life version of the audio that you just heard. A filled out, rounded out experience of the world. This idea of shalom, this idea of peace, the peace of God, is something that's meant for the world, not merely for the individual. A lot of times we think of peace as something that's just personal. But for the writers of the scripture, peace is not just personal. Peace is corporate and peace is meant to be peace for the world and not just peace for us as individuals. Let's look at this in Leviticus 26 verses 5 through 7. 
God is speaking to his people about his peace. It says, your threshing will continue until the great, and the great harvest will continue until planting. And you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land. I will grant peace in the land. And you will lie down and no one will make you afraid. I will remove wild beasts from the land. And the sword will not pass through your country. For the writers of the scripture, peace is about something much, much, much more than just your personal warm feelings or your personal feelings of quietness for God and for the writers of the scripture your peace extends to the land around you it extends to your city and to your country to your relationships and your network of relationships it extends to your work it extends to the physical land it even extends to the animals for the writers of the scripture peace is a profoundly broad concept in the Bible. And it is meant to be experienced corporately and not just personally. Look at Isaiah 66. It says, Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice greatly with her, all you who mourn over her. For you will nurse and be satisfied with her comforting breast. You will drink deeply and delight in her overflowing abundance. For this is what the Lord says, I will extend peace to her like a river. And the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. And you will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. I don't know if any of us can remember this. Maybe some of you kids can. Do you remember what it was like to be carried and dandled on knees? Did you have a care in the world? Was there anything wrong with the universe when you're being carried by your parents and dandled, whatever, you know, bounced, dandled on the knees? Like, there is no greater thing than dandling a child. I love dandling children. Last night I had a child in my hands, Joshua, and I raised him up like, like the Lion King. And I brought him down and he would laugh. And I would raise him up and bring him down. He wants to come and do it again. Raise him up and bring him down. The joy of a child being just dandled. They don't have a care in the world. The idea of God's peace extending to a city, to Jerusalem, is such a powerful concept in the Bible. It is not meant just for our own personal prayer time, though it is that, but I want you to see a bigger picture of peace, a peace that extends to the planet, the peace of God in the Old Testament, a broad peace, an overarching peace. Now, we live in a pretty individualistic culture, would you agree? Maybe even a pretty narcissistic culture, would you agree? You know, we live in a, in a place and in a time where life is about us. It's about what we can get and what we can make. And how many people see our pictures and like all that. I mean, it's, it's about us. It's about me. We take a lot of things in our spirituality and our spiritual journey and we make them about our interior landscape. And peace is a common example of this. Peace means much more than this personal tranquility. The word at its core is something like the peace that comes to the whole world. Now while I say that, Peace also in the scripture is not like kumbaya around a campfire, as awesome as that is. It is the world connected with God, people connected with each other, and things working and moving in harmony together. Peace isn't mustard. It's not something that you need to manufacture or pretend that you have. And actually we see in the Bible that if you're going to experience peace, and especially if a people are going to experience peace, if a country is going to experience peace, if a group of people and a network of relationships are going to experience peace, 
one of the first things that they have to do is recognize there is no peace. It's to recognize that things are not the way they should be. That everything is not working in harmony. That things are out of place and askew and there's dissonance. And we need help. In case you don't believe me, look at Jeremiah 6. And look at what the prophets say about peace in the scriptures. Peace is not a feel-good, just kumbaya type of feeling. Check it out. From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Does any of this sound familiar? Like all prophets and priests alike, all practice to see. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. This is, think deeply about this text today in the place where you live. They dress the wound of my people as though we're not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when I punish them. In the scriptures, this peace, this peace that's meant to grow and flourish, this peace that's supposed to grow and connect people with God and people with other people, it doesn't come by just pretending. We have to understand the things that are not in harmony, the things that are in disharmony, the things that are broken if we are to make them whole. Do you hear what I'm saying? I mean, you might come to faith or to your spiritual journey and think, man, we just need to like buck up and really white knuckle peace. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. God's world doesn't work that way. God doesn't work that way. Look at how God is going to get a hold of his people's imagination and bring them peace. He's actually going to bring a lot of devastation. That peace could come out of the rubble. Sometimes that's the way of peace. And it's a very, it's a very difficult... Dip. Look at Isaiah 59, verses 7 through 9. Look at what he has to say in here in, in this verse about peace. Their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed innocent blood. They pursue evil schemes. Acts of violence mark their ways. The way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their paths. Notice that the way of peace and justice in the Old Testament and in the prophets is one thing. There is not peace if there's not justice for the Old Testament prophets. I'll say it again. There is not peace if there's not justice in the Old Testament prophets. Now what these things look like, the way of peace, in Proverbs, the Bible talks about the way of peace is this way of wisdom, this way of knowing what is the next thing to do. What is the next right thing for us to do? And the writer of the Proverbs says that wisdom cries aloud in the streets and search to find and follow it. He says they've turned into crooked roads. No one walks along who walks along them will know peace. So justice is far from us, and righteousness does not reach us. We look for light, but all is darkness for brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. Sometimes the first thing, the first position of peace, of harmony, the first position if we're going to play the symphony of the fruit of the Spirit of God is to recognize what is broken. To recognize what is not in harmony. Now, how do we experience this peace? How, how do we begin to walk in a way of peace? How can we 
possibly dream of peace for the world? For that matter, how can we possibly dream of peace for our city? How can we possibly dream of peace for our country? How can we possibly dream of peace corporately if we don't experience peace personally? Now you've heard me say, and it's true, that peace is not meant to be just personal. But if you do not start with an experience of peace, your network of relationships will never be peaceful. If we don't understand the way that God has made peace with humanity, we're never going to be able to extend peace to each other. If we don't hear the song that God is singing and that he has written through his word, if we don't hear the notes and the harmony, we're never going to be able to play the song. We're never going to be able to play the song. That song that you heard at the beginning, each person and each note must be sung perfectly. Perfectly. When I was in choir in high school, I know I was so cool that I was in choir in high school. Like the coolest choir kid you ever met. Not true. But we had a, we had a, we had a teacher that would go like this. You know, she would put a circle with her hands. And she'd say, like, you know, like this is the pitch. And you're like, I live here. You're like right here. Like right here. Like if I took you to court and we adjudicated it, maybe technically you would be inside the pitch. But music is, can be so precise and harmonies can be so important that even if, even if one person is just sitting at the bottom of the pitch, it throws the whole thing out of whack. And it sounds terrible. It sounds awful. If you've ever heard a bad choir, you know exactly what, think about a bad choir. They're like, no, don't think about a bad, think about an awful, awful choir. If we don't understand, if we're not able to sing in tune with God's ways and with his heart, we'll never be able to experience peace or give it to other people. So with the rest of our time in God's word, pretty much, we're going to be in Ephesians 2. And we're going to look at the way that God made peace with people. With us, with me, and with you. And if we look at the ways that he's made peace with me and with you, we can see that peace grow into peace with each other and peace for this world. So let's check it out. Let's look at it deeply and take our time through this. Ephesians 2, picking up in verse 13. Now, Ephesians 2 is a really sticky wicket for a pastor because it's almost like one rambling sentence, the whole thing. And in English, they put a lot of punctuation in the sentence. So we're just kind of, just so you know, we're picking it up in like a middle of a stream of consciousness thought that Paul has. It's one of the most epic sentences that I've ever read. But look, look at what he says. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Those of you who are far away, far away from what? Well, in the passage before, Paul had been talking about the Jewish people and about Gentiles. The Jewish people in the Bible are the people on the inside, God's people. The people who should know better. The people who are on the inside, the family of God. And the word for Gentiles is just everyone else. So it's like the Jewish people and everyone else. And Paul is speaking to everyone else. And he's saying, you who were far away, far away, Anyone can relate to this, but he's speaking specifically. Anyone who is far, far away from the inside have been brought near 
by Jesus, brought near to the family of God, brought inside the family of God in Jesus. And he says this radical thing that he himself is our peace. If you want to know how to have peace with someone, you have to experience the peace of Jesus in your guts. If we want to see peace flow like a river in our city or in our country or in our world, in our network of relationships, at our workplace, in our school, if we want to see peace move, we need to experience that himself, he himself is our peace. Our way back to connection with God, our way back into real relationships with people. He he goes on, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. He set aside all law and command and regulations. Jesus in his body takes religion and swallows it. Deals with it. Paul says that he destroys the barriers between God and people and between people and people. That Jesus in his coming, he himself, our peace, he removes that barrier that keeps you from the people you don't like. That barrier that keeps you from the people that you hate. The barrier that keeps us isolated from each other. He's removed it. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. Paul argues an incredible thing here, that Jesus in his flesh sets aside religion, that he doesn't, that, that's not to say that he sets aside real, true, meaningful, good action that we could take. Because you're invited to sing the song, to dance the dance of love and grace and peace in Jesus. But we're not doing that to get something. And that's a totally different thing. I'm not in a relationship with God anymore to prove something to him or to you or to anyone else, to myself. That Jesus does away with all of that. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but it seems that there's a good deal of hostility here still. Do you agree? Like, I, I think there's no shortage of hostility in the world. There's no shortage of division and of barriers. But if we're going to see beyond, we have to see that he, dealt a, he did away with the barriers. Between religions and nations and political parties and classes and everything else, sports teams and, and like economic, socioeconomic brackets and everything, this is all a way of not seeing, not experiencing that the barriers are gone. The barriers are gone. And Paul suggests that we could be one new humanity. Not two, not a hundred, not a thousand, one. We could be one. Look at how he did this in verse 17. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. What's the truth? Was anyone near 
I think of Grover, near and far. Right? Doesn't he do a, like a near and far thing? Like, who, who is really near and who is really far? Like, those are things that we came up with. But Paul says this radical, like, why would you need to preach peace to those who are near? They have it already, right? The ones who are near, the ones who are in, have figured everything out. They've got it sorted out. Like, if you're near to God, you don't need any help, right? But Paul says, I needed help. Paul says, I was the most religious person on the planet, and it was killing me, and it was killing everyone around me. And he preached peace. He preached the shalom, the connection with God and with people to me who thought I was near. And he preached it to those of you who were far, who I think are far. And what does Jesus say you have to, what, what hoops do you have to jump through to hear God's peace from Jesus? None, not one. Not one. Verse 18, for through him we have access to the Father by one spirit. Peace to those who are far. Peace to those who are near. Consequently, in verse 19, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God is meant to live in you. You are meant to be plan A for the peace and the restoration of this planet. And there is no plan B. There is none. You are the body of Christ. You are meant to be the workings of God on this planet. You're meant by your words and by your actions and by your love and by your ability to see beyond the barriers and into justice and peace and mercy and grace. You're meant to be God's expression on this planet. What does this mean? I mean, he says, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. He is not there and then. He is right here and right now. You don't have to go anywhere (laughs) to experience this spirit. You don't have to muster anything. You don't have to force. You don't have to jump through the the fruits of the spirit, the spirit of God, the love and the grace and the peace found in Jesus is right here, right now. Our last words from the scripture are words from Jesus. Jesus. And from Colossians, we've got a couple more passages left. But I wanted to give you a sense of, because you might be hearing what I'm saying and thinking like, okay, that sounds, like, that sounds great, but like how, you know? How do, how do we experience peace? Like where do I go to buy the peace, you know? What's, what's the step A, B, C, D, E, F, G for me to go through it and at the end of it feel peace? Feel tranquility. Jesus says some pretty radical things, and so does the scripture, about peace. And it's unnerving because of how simple it is, frankly. Look at what Jesus says in John 14. He says, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And will remind you of everything that I said to you. He'll teach you all things. He'll teach you how to talk to the people in your life, yes. He'll teach you how to... 
have a little piece of the justice pie in this universe? Yes. He'll teach you the things that Jesus would do and say in your context, in your network of relationships? Yes. He promises the Spirit will come. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace, my connection, my wholeness. Do you hear me? My harmony I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Here today and gone tomorrow. Fickle. Just a vapor and it's gone. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Look at John 16, verse 33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. Take it. I have overcome the world. Take heart. Take heart. Has heart been given? Yes. Has peace been given in abundance? Yes. Has the dividing wall between you and the person that God created you be been broken down? Yes. Take it. Jesus says. Don't muster it. Don't pretend. Take it. It's there. And then look at Colossians 3. Maybe the most telling example of this. Our last text for today. Paul is writing again and he says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Is Paul saying that you need to do something? No. I mean, is Paul giving you a rubric, a, a syllabus that you could work through? And hey, I'm going to pray these words, okay? And I'm going to, I'm going to not do these things, and I'm going to do these things, and then I'm going to like hijack my heart and my spirit, and at the end of it, I'm going to like achieve peace. We we don't often hear this. The message of the scriptures is let the peace of Christ rule your heart. What does that mean? It means that it's there. It means that the shalom and the connection of God, it is there. It is there for you right now. Nothing to prove, nothing to muster, nothing to do, but to let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts. That means to let wholeness make the decisions for you. That means to let harmony inform your next step and the next note that you're going to play with your life. It means to let the shalom, the rest, the peace of God that passes all understanding dwell in you richly. And to realize what's already true right now, what's already there right now, is peace for you. This is not something I fully understand. This is something I'm working with in my own life. This is something that I'm, you know, God's people are called Israel, the people who wrestle with God. And I'm doing wrestling in my own heart on this. But in our world, in our culture, in our families, let's not be the ones saying peace, peace in the places where there is no peace. And maybe for some of you, you heard from the prophets today. And the announcement was, stop saying there's peace when there is no peace. But what would happen if we hear the good news? 
The good news of peace to those who are far off and peace to the near. The good news that because of the love of God and Jesus, he makes a way back to wholeness in every situation. That we could let the wholeness that is already there make the decisions for us on what to say and where to go and how to address the brokenness that we experience both as a group and as individuals. Through Christ, in the spirit, in the breath of God, may we come to experience the wholeness that we were created for. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and take a moment. My intention with the song earlier and with a short sort of militant, just guerrilla style message is to give you time Give you time. Where is there dissonance in you? Where is the trumpet out of tune? Is there any way that you've been trying to hack or hijack your heart, your mind, your words, trying to force something that isn't there, trying to muster and make and create, manufacture peace? The scriptures say, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. Let the peace of Christ rule your heart. As you breathe, as you pray, just sit with that for a minute. That this peace, this wholeness is available to you every second. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Nothing to prove. Nothing to white knuckle. An ocean of love and forgiveness and grace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Father, this peace thing is such a, it's so much bigger than my own mind and heart. But God, we see that it starts in our minds and in our hearts. That it stretches all the way back to Jesus making peace through his blood. 
back to Jesus making peace, pulling down every barrier, every system, every hindrance, and making peace, making wholeness, making harmony, announcing to us good news that we are loved, good news that our enemies are loved, and that we can have peace. Father, help my friends, help me in the areas where there is dissonance, in the areas where we have lost our hearing of the sound, where your peace and your wholeness is right there and we are not letting it rule our hearts, but are clinging to control and fear and shame and all the things that used to separate us from you. God, open our eyes to see, to experience with our hearts your peace. Make us whole. Whole as a community of faith, whole as a city, whole as a nation, whole on, as a planet. God, it's scary to even say those words out loud because it seems so impossible sometimes. But we trust you. And we've experienced you in your word today. May, the, may your peace, may your spirit breathe through us. And may the fruit of our words and the fruit of our actions and the fruit of our thoughts and the fruit of our feelings be wholeness. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your son, Jesus. We praise you for sending your son, Jesus, to show us the way of peace. And to show us how to love each other and how to love you. God, thank you. It's in his name we pray. It's for his kingdom's sake that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Please make it a point to come next week out to the lake for baptisms. If you're getting baptized, it's going to be awesome. If you're not getting baptized, it's a party. So come and hang out. If anyone here is following Jesus and wants to be baptized next week, come talk to me afterwards. There's an offering box for that. We love you.